welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Today, I'm joined a returning guest, Ian Hogg, Chairman of WorkTech Group. Hi, Ian. Thanks for coming back on. Hi, Simon. Good, good to be back on. Good. And we're going to take a Last time we talked about all things workforce management. Today, I suppose you could class it in the same sphere, but maybe slightly left or, or right of the target. We're going to talk about retention. Um, we know there's a, a real crisis in terms of hospitality, retail, manufacturing, getting staff, keeping staff. There's a real big churn of uh, levers, certainly with all the organisations we work with and you work with. But you guys have just released a white paper. Um, We'll put the links in the show note and the the paper's called Meeting Your Staffing Requirements in Difficult Times. So we'll we'll kind of work through it on the, the podcast. There's some really, really interesting stats I know that you want to talk about. But what before we start kind of delving in, why was this the right time to kind of do some research to publish your findings and get people talking about it? Was it driven by what your customers are telling you or some other market influences? Uh, it it started because that's all our customers were talking about really was, you know, it's not quite all, but, you know, every conversation you had with a customer, sooner or later, the, the subject of, of staffing levels and filling shifts uh, came up. So we were keen to sort of look at what our roadmap should look like and what we should focus on. And we wanted to try and quantify exactly how much of a problem it was. So we so we went ahead and did a survey. So we surveyed uh, all of our customers, but we got 35, um, you, you know, it's like you don't get 100% response. We've got 35 UK companies, UK and Irish companies with over 50,000 uh, hourly paid or shift workers between them responded. And I know you've got some amazing stats to share, but I suppose we'll start with the, the big headline that came from the government a couple of weeks ago. So companies are struggling to recruit staff. They're struggling to retain staff. Yet we've now got the backdrop of from April the 1st, 2023, national living wage goes up by 9.7%. So that just, I won't, I won't say puts fuel on the fire, but certainly makes a really challenging situation in some instances even more desperate. Yeah, it does. What was interesting on the survey, Simon, was we we found that you know that we were looking at sort of a number of different sec, sort of subjects within the sort of white paper and the survey, like you know how do you understand the problem and then how do you fix it are two obvious areas. But when we were looking at how companies are fixing it, you know certainly there's recruitment, get more people in. There's retention, let less people leave. But there's also sort of get people to work a bit more overtime with the staff you've got. But on the recruitment, one of the sort of, you know, most of the tactics that the employers that we surveyed were looking at involved money, basically, you know, um, sign-on bonuses, increasing salary. And one of the things that we found is that 46% of the companies surveyed no longer have staff on national minimum wage. They've, they've all they're all increasing their salaries and they're paying a bit above national minimum wage. So I presume that if that's your strategy, that you're going out above national minimum wage, you, you, you're you either going to drop back to national minimum wage um, or you're going to be forced to up it again above that national minimum wage. So it's definitely applying pressure. It, interestingly, it, it wasn't that effective. They still all had, um, they still had, you know, staff shortfalls. Yeah, and I think the the unspoken challenges of national living wages, yes, we know what the minimum is, and certainly we've seen all the big grocers and other industries start to pay above that to retract to a 
retain and attract more people. But the bit that I think is a bigger challenge is you then close the differential between your supervisors, team leaders, assistants and store managers. So that that increase almost ripples upwards at a higher cost to keep the differential because there comes a point when actually you've got colleagues who are paid 50p an hour less than a team leader who maybe doesn't get overtime because they're salaried. So it's financially and from a lifestyle point of view, better for me to be a colleague that works overtime than a team leader that's on a salary. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. And I think yeah, we're seeing sort of almost the elimination of some of those hierarchical roles like, but you know, assistant manager and it's a much flatter structure where there's one person quite often in charge of the store and then, you know, quite often the store is manned, uh, you know, entirely by sort of people on on the base wage and they're using sort of technology and automation to sort of you know self-service and the like to reduce the requirement for more senior management yeah interesting and i know one of the stats we wanted to talk about was in the white paper 56 percent of the respondents said reducing they had to reduce opening hours due to short staffing which straight i was surprised by how high the number is did that shock you or is it something you yeah, see well, coming yeah, well, interestingly, the, the whole survey shocked us. Like we were speaking to customers. We did the survey, like we said, because we knew there was an issue out there. But the, a lot of the, the data that came out was still surprised me. That one, you know, the, the statistics were, you know, were quite raw that 56% had reduced their open hours, which obviously hits revenue. But in the notes that people, where people could comment on the survey, there were lots of people saying things like, yes, but we've, you know, we've shut the first floor restaurant or we're opening less, you know, blackjack tables in our casino um, and things like that. So there were other ways that revenue is dropping as well as reduced opening hours. So yeah, the, if, if you go back to your comment about the national minimum wage, these, these guys are getting hit from the sort of, you know, increasing in costs, you know, electricity, obviously, but also um, salary costs. And then they're, they're getting hit by revenue short, you know, short, shortfalls. Yeah, and that must be a challenge then, because from a customer experience point of view, I go to the casino thinking I'm going to have a meal. It's not open. So I probably spend less time in the casino and then go somewhere else for a meal. So that revenue shifted out. And actually, if that meal's great, I might then never consider going back there for a meal. So there's some, I think, longer stings in the tail for some of these companies around how that's damaging their overall experience. If, I don't know, it's a shop that I go to and it's open till eight at night and I go at seven and it's closed twice, I probably then decide that, well, I'll go and try somewhere else because it's wasting my trip. So there's, yeah, I think there's a longer a longer term sting in the tail for some of this action now, which I understand why it happens and I'm not saying it, it, it's preventable, but the consequence could be much longer. No, I 100% agree. And I think, you know, like our customers, I'm sure yours are as well, Simon, our customers recognize it and they are working hard, very hard to, to try and, you know, mitigate the, that issue. One of the key ones that, that, that people are doing is adjusting their, their operating model and their, you know, their staffing allocation. So, you know, classic demand, forecasting, demand allocation of staff, uh, you know, looking at l- labor standards to see where they can, you know, make sure they've got the right resources on at the right time. Like we said earlier, a bit of automation where possible so that they don't have to, you know, they can have less staff to fill that peak demand. But th- definitely our customers are looking at 
when is demand highest and how do we meet that demand? And they're trying not to have people standing around in, you know, when the store's empty or the restaurant's empty. Yeah, no, and that's a that's a good thing. I think one of the holy grails certainly in retail for a number of years is get your people where your customers are because that's where you, you drive the conversion, you increase the sales depending on your environment. But again, one of the, the stats in the, in the white paper that, well, one of the many that I thought was interesting, 60% of companies have a shortfall of staff over 10%. So that plays back to your point of how do you remove the non-value add time? How do you stop process how do you review process automate process because working continually at a 10 percent shortfall and i suppose you let then layer on that you've probably got people on holiday most weeks as well so it's probably more like 12 14 15 percent brings us back to the operating model piece of get rid of all the clutter around it and focus on the, the core things which are going to add value yeah no 100 percent, and i think and maximize revenue because all of these, you know, all of the customer companies, you know, you know, need to have got revenue targets to hit and profits to make. So if you, if you look at revenue maximization as the, as the, as a starting point, it's, and you need staff to deliver that revenue, you know, how, you know, I suppose it's the same problem, Simon, isn't it? You've got to get the right people there when the money's there to be spent. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's kind of a challenge when we've also got 67% of leavers want to work more sociable hours. So if you're in an environment, we've talked about <coughs> casinos, that typically will have a, what, midday to midnight, maybe even longer trade, to retain people that are working an 8pm shift to a 3am shift is probably quite tricky based on those stats. It is. In fact, you know, the casino peak hours are between 10 o'clock at night, yeah, roughly 10 o'clock at night and two o'clock in the morning. So it's a late night trade and they're a lot, most of them are 24 hours. And yeah, so sociable hours are, are a thing um, in, in casinos. And, you know, we, we find in those sort of businesses, things like shift equality. So that would be the AI that we use for auto scheduling, you know, takes into account things like shift equality, uh, fairness uh, of rotors, um, you know, evenly distributing the, the sort of unsocial hours. You know, they're, they're quite key, key sort of components of that AI. Yeah. And you mentioned before kind of remedies to fix. So there's clearly retention bonuses. There's recruitment incentives, which I think, again, we've seen a relatively short term. It was as we came out of the pandemic, was it Amazon that were offering kind of five grand signing on bonuses for drivers, but then somebody else started paying drivers 80 grand and they all went there. So that some of those mechanisms are short term. More hours for existing colleagues. I think, again, from what we've seen, lots more full-time colleagues now. Again, there was this trend to go towards part-time probably six to ten years ago that in the current world tends to drive um, – levers because people want the guarantee of hours and the cost so making people step up over that i think is a good thing if they're willing to do it but clearly you don't want to be paying incremental costs and this matching demand piece but you've done some work in retention ai so you've developed some algorithms and some ways of helping organizations do you want to talk a bit about some of the things that's starting to do 
Yeah. So, so retention AI is looking at this is a tool. It's, it's a preventative tool. So it's about retaining staff. And so what it what its output is, it gives a sort of prediction for every member of staff that's that it's looking at uh, of their probability of leaving in the next 30, 60 or 90 days. So it would look at Simon and it would say, you know, 30 days, it might say it's a 45% chance of leaving, but over a 90 day period, there might be a 75% chance of leaving. And if you think the amount of data, particularly in hourly paid staff, if you think there's the amount of data that a workforce management platform has in terms of it knows when you're sick, it knows when you're late, it knows whether you're accepting more overtime. It knows how many, you know, non-working time directive compliant shifts you've had. It knows how equal your shifts were, whether you're getting stiffed with all of the, you know, the late Saturday nights. Um, yep. It knows how often it meets your preferences. It's got a lot of information. So the AI is churning through all this data, um, you know, he's, and he's continually learning and relooking. And it can also see when somebody's made a lever. So, the AI can see that, you know, somebody was made a lever. Um, they, you know, there was a, predict, it had been predicted that that person, Simon, was, you know, 70% likely to leave. They left after 65 days. You know, it, it can learn from that. And then it can look at the, the, the contributory factors to why Simon may have left. Okay. And then, it, and, you know, and the, the, the ability of these modern AIs is, is, is well frankly quite amazing really so it's very accurate you know if if it says to if our ai says to you that you're going to lose 45 staff in the next 90 days you better be start recruiting for those 45 staff because you probably are going to lose somewhere between 43 and 40 you know seven it's that accurate what it where it provides a benefit to the employer is if you've got you know where it was predicting you were likely to leave Simon we can sit down with you and we can you know we can you know, we can you know we, we can sit down and have a, a you know a, an intervention and start asking you how you're getting on you know what yeah. what sort of thing you know and if it's given a clue it gives an insight so it would probably say Simon's 70% likely to leave and it gives a sort of league table of the top five things that you know that correlate with leaving that Simon has got, you know, worse than average. So it might say that Simon's had 20 working time directive breaches in the last four months. Okay. And if, you know, that that might be, you know, four times the average for the rest of the, the company. And it might also, you know, might say that he's, he's worked unsociable shifts or he's on the lowest salary for his, you know, he's um, in his location. And, that gives a manager the opportunity to, to have an intervention, sit down with Simon, try and find out what's going wrong and, you know, see if the, the, some solutions can be put in place to try and retain that person. And then it comes back to good old normal management, no AI involved, a manager speaking to Simon and trying to solve the problem. And then I, I assume if those metrics then get updated in whatever scheduling solution I'm using or the other metrics you're taking, that then my probability would start to drop off if I was on the average salary for that department or my shifts started to be more balanced. Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. Because you're right, the next time it, it runs a scan, you know, and you know, people tend to you know, run it weekly. Uh, next time it runs through, they'll see that, you know, you've 
so the managers made some effort to not give you those Saturday shifts. And, you know, you, over a period of time, the metrics start to improve and the probability of you leaving drops. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. So you say organisations typically run it kind of on a, a weekly basis to get that update and that that are given output at an individual site level and then a kind of up the hierarchy <coughs> area. And a, a company yeah, yeah. Summary. It's all permission-based, as, as you'd expect. So if I'm the area manager for Northwest London, I can click and see my 10 locations and I can see the top five people that, uh, you know, that are most likely to leave and I can focus my effort on, you know, trying to, you know, have an intervention with those five people. Yeah. I think to put it into context, and again, there was some stats in the white paper, the, the cost of recruiting somebody, training them, then them leaving is significant in every organization. And then when you look at the scale of the 60% of companies surveyed at a shortfall of staff over 10%, there's some big numbers and effort in there, isn't there, that's going into bringing people into the business for them to leave maybe within 12 months. Yeah, and it's a leaky bucket. You know, it's the, you know, some of the other data that um, I can't remember the exact stat, but basically a very high percentage are losing more each month than than they are managing to recruit. So if you, you know, if you want to stop your total, you know, going from a 10% shortfall in staff to a 15%, you, you, they're, they're all doing their best with recruiting. You talked about sort of sign on bonuses. You know, we're getting evidence that they're not working anymore. You know, I was talking to somebody in a care home, one of our customers, and they said they've been offering five case sign on bonuses. Doesn't make any impact. Um, they're paying above the minimum wage. They're, they're trying their best, but they they are still struggling to recruit. So it's a leaky bucket, and if you can plug the leaks, at least you can keep the same level, um, and then you can start looking at you know, other tactics like we talked about earlier, like you know encouraging a bit more overtime or allocating resources a bit more efficiently, get some automation in that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think and one of the things we're seeing that's becoming more popular is kind of apps where people can draw down pay. So I work, I work today for you as overtime, but actually I can draw down that pay tomorrow. I know you kind of involved in some of those things as well, but it's sometimes it's not about increasing the salary; it's making those broader colleague benefits available to the to the wider population. Yeah, I think we, we yeah we've got our own one of that fast pay, and um, it you know we we've got a, a particular use case that's evolved since the pandemic which is about uh, overtime and it tends to be on a weekly cycle because if you think if people a lot of companies overtime is 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 fixed to a week i am on a, I'm a 37 and a half hour contract so overtime is anything in excess of 37 and a half hours so these companies tend to have a weekly cycle for that that's what we're finding is the most normal model so that you know if i work 45 hours you know, I've got seven and a half hours overtime that they, I can draw that down on a Tuesday if the week finishes on Sunday night. And that just allows a bit of time to processing it. So what tends to happen in the week, in, in a month, is there's four of these cycles, typically, where if I work overtime week one, the next week I can draw you know, draw that down and some companies let you draw all of it down and some hold a bit back for sort of tax and national insurance. But the, the the model is work overtime this week. If you need a bit of extra cash, work some overtime. Early next week, you can get access to it. And we, we've we got, you know, 
evidence that it's increasing the amount of hours worked uh, quite considerably. Well, in one care home group, so I think in the white paper, there's a case study on this. In one care home group, they, the care home were, I won't be political, but let's just say I, I wasn't a supporter of the government letting 40,000 care home workers um, go during the pandemic because they didn't have a vaccination. And that industry is still struggling, you know, it's, is still struggling hard to recover from that. And, you know, when you sort of look at the percentage impact that was on, you know, if you've got people with 10% shortage of staff, you know, when, when you look at across the whole industry, that, that alone has, has contributed to sort of over 5 or 6% of that contribution. Well, what we're finding with just this overtime um, incentive, yeah, that uh, and we've got it operating in quite a few care home groups, the, the care homes are getting a sort of increase in hours worked of about 3%. So they've got a 10% shortfall. This alone can solve a 3% problem. So it, and again, that sort of illustrates, Simon, is that there, there's no silver bullet on this subject. It's HR departments having to look at, you know, retention AI type products that, you know, incentivizing staff to work, uh, you know, more hours, better recruitment, you know, better, better retention, there's a raft of things, all of which make a small contribution to the whole. Um, it sort of reminded us of that that sort of famous thing that the cyclists have, don't they? That's sort of incremental gains where they, yeah. you know, they they make one or two small changes, and if when you add them all up, you start making an inroad into the the problem or improve your performance. And that's what it feels like with this problem. There's not it's not a silver bullet. You've probably got to do seven or eight different initiatives to to try and you know plug the leaky bucket get better at recruiting you know get more overtime worked better allocate your staff you know there's a there's a whole raft of stuff needs doing here brilliant okay so as i said we'll put the links to the white paper in the show notes so people can download and if people want to pick up the conversation with you ian and find out more what data they need how it all kind of works technically where's the best place for them to get in touch yeah, the, the LinkedIn, you know, Ian Hogg, WorkTech Group, they'll find me or at worktechgroup.com. And just a point on the white paper, we're not asking for any contact details. If you just, you can find the link in, in the show notes, go to it, download it, and there's contact details on that. But we're not, we're not doing, you, you won't get pestered by a salesperson if you download our white paper. Awesome. Good stuff. Great to catch up. Thanks for coming on. Time, timely conversation. And we'll speak soon. Thanks very much, Simon. Great to be on.